0: For those of you like myself, who were blessed uh, to have a godly father, um, I just I just love the day where we can uh, celebrate our dads. Uh, but I was just thinking as we were singing that song, for some of you here who perhaps your dad wasn't that great, maybe your dad left you, um, how great it is, right, for those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have a father now who will never leave you, right, never forsake you, will always be there for you. And so that's just a, it's just a great day to celebrate Father's Day. Whether it's your earthly father or your heavenly father, uh, there's no one greater. Amen? So I was thinking about today, speaking on Father's Day, and I thought, um, like for my dad, I thought, I think the world of my dad, I think my dad's a great man, okay? Um, when I think of my father-in-law, my wife's dad, I think he's a great man, Um and I was just thinking about some of the great men in the Bible, right? What does God say about some of these great men in the Bible? And you'll recall um, Noah, right? I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I love looking at what God says about certain people. It's a fun thing to look at, a fun little study. Uh, when it talks about Noah, right? He says Noah was a righteous man. He says blameless among the people of his time. And that's a great man. Right? I mean, if that could be said of any one of us here, man, that would be awesome. Right? Blameless among the people of his time. How about Abraham? Abraham was actually called the friend of God. The friend of God. He was a great man. How about Enoch? Right? Enoch, the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Walked with God. How about Moses? It says, Moses was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. (laughs) The most humble. We all remember David. We all love that title, right? A man after God's own heart. David was a great man, right? How about Job? Ever read what it says about Job? It says this. It says, there was no one like Job. In the whole earth. And yes, besides the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Right? There is none greater than the Lord Jesus. But, I would like you to turn to Matthew chapter 11, please. Matthew chapter 11. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself tells us who the greatest ever was. Matthew chapter 11. Beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass when uh, Jesus finished commanding His twelve disciples that He departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John had heard, and that's John the baptizer, had heard in prison about the works of Christ, He sent two of His disciples and He said to him, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? That Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Was it a reed shaken by the wind? They would say no. But what did you go out to see? Was it a man clothed in soft garments? We know John the Baptist, right? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And this is what he says here in verse 11. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Lord will bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's just open a word of prayer. Father, we thank you again for being a good father. I want to thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for... Your Holy Spirit, I uh, acknowledge, I recognize, um, dear Father, that I am a sinner. And I just uh, would ask that you be merciful to me this morning. Uh, Be merciful to each and every one of us here this morning as we try to understand the things of God. We pray these things so that your Son may be honored and glorified in this place this morning. In His name we pray. Amen. Jesus Christ himself here says that John was the greatest. Among men born of women, there was no one greater. And I read that and I thought to myself, man, what is God's great man? Right? What is God's great woman? Right? For Jesus to say there in front of those people that say, listen, you see this guy right here? Among those born of women, there is no one greater than that guy right there. What is God's great man? What is God's great woman? And as I thought about that, I thought to myself, I'm like, am I a great man? Am I a great man in the sight of God? You know, we're living uh, in a world today that, that tells us who's great, right? We talk about the goat all the time, the greatest of all time always controversy over who is the greatest, right? Is Michael Jordan the greatest or is LeBron James the greatest? We we have people that we think are great, um, whether they are great actors, right, or or great leaders. Some people are just great because of the name that they inherited. Some people are considered great because of how much money they have. But greatness is determined today in this world by, by what you have, right? By what you have done. By who you are. There's lots of different ways that the world will, will characterize someone as being great. As being great. I can tell you this today, is that you can be great today and not be good. In fact, you can be good today and not be godly. What I hope I can tell you today is that you cannot be godly and not be great in the sight of the Lord. I'll say that again. You cannot be godly in the sight of God and not also be great in His eyes. You can definitely be great and not be good. and You can be good and not be godly. But God is looking for those who are godly who will be great in His sight. In fact, in Luke chapter one verse fifteen, we'll be going there momentarily. But um, the angel told Zacharias, referring uh, regarding John the Baptist, says he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Right, and that's all that matters. Right, is that in the sight of God, am I a great man? Am I a great woman? And so, why was John the Baptist great? Okay? Why was John the Baptist great? Well, there are three reasons why I think John the Baptist was great. One, because of the power he possessed. Two, because of the position he played. And three, because of the person he pleased. Let's look at this first one here. John the Baptist was great because of the power he possessed. Like I said, look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Verse 15, Luke chapter 1, verse 15, referring to John the Baptist here, the angels telling Zacharias, his dad, he says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. That's quite a statement. There are those that we read in the Bible who are filled with the Holy Spirit John the Baptist is the only one I know of that says he was filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb. Okay? From the very, very beginning, this man was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? The power that he possessed. Right? Listen, the Holy Spirit does not just reside in us, brothers and sisters, but we need to let the Holy Spirit preside in us. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives. And right? we've talked about this before. Being filled with the Holy Spirit just means that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to control our lives. But you look at many other uh, great men in the Bible, right? One of the characteristics of them, when when they were looking for men who would, would care uh, for the widows, right? We we look at that portion there where it's kind of the institution of the, the office of deacon, right? He says, look for men who are what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, that was a characteristic. Right? A criteria, if you will. We need men who are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you look at Stephen, the first martyr, right? The Bible says that he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Barnabas. Barnabas, it says, Barnabas was a good man filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'd like to let you know, too, that the, whole, the, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? We're all familiar with that portion there where he is tempted in the desert. If you look at uh, John chapter 4, or Luke chapter 4, I'm sorry, you will see that in verse 1 of Luke chapter 4, it says that Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a little later on in the verse, it says that the Holy Spirit actually led him into the desert. So even Jesus Christ had to be controlled and led by the Spirit. But then when you get to the end of that portion of uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, after that time of uh, temptation, he then leaves and it says that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And If you want to be a great man or a great wo- woman, okay, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit, and you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ himself was all those things as well. But not only that, it's interesting that when you look at uh, the three different portions where instructions are given to the home, where it talks about husbands, how you're supposed to uh, behave, and, and, and wives, how you are, and children, and, and all these different things, there's one in Ephesians, there's one in Colossians, and there's one in 1 Peter, and we know that in 1 Peter and Colossians, each of those begin with an example of the Lord Jesus Christ and his life. Colossians talks about... Uh, letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. But in Ephesians, right before it even gets into the instructions of your home, it says what? Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to be a great husband, if you want to be a great father, right? if you want to be a great child, a son or a daughter, a great wife, that's the number one thing you've got to do first, is you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Led by Him, controlled by Him, empowered by Him in your daily life. John the Baptist was a great man because he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. The power that he possessed, that each and every one of us possess as well. Those who have put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. But not only that, John the Baptist was not only great because of the power he possessed, but because of the position he played. What do I mean by that? Right? Well, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what he says. He says, I'm not even worthy to hold his sandals. <laughs> this is John the Baptist we're talking about. People were coming from Judea and all over the place for John the Baptist to baptize them, to hear John the Baptist preach. When Jesus steps on the scene, John the Baptist says, hey guys, listen to me. I'm not even worthy to carry his sandals. This is what I love. And um, John chapter 3, an interesting thing happens. John the Baptist, as you know, has already baptized Jesus. And uh, it's a short time after that. This is before John is even in prison. And uh, some of the John the Baptist followers come up to John the Baptist and say, listen, you know that guy Jesus that you were talking about? You know, you're not worthy to carry his sandals and this and that. Uh, he's baptizing people. John, I'm just saying, I mean, you're the baptizer. <laughs> you know, uh, I think this is a little competitive here as a problem. <laughs> um, just wanted you to be aware of it. This guy, Jesus, is baptizing people. And John says something great. He goes, listen, he goes, uh, you go to a wedding, right? He said, uh, the, "the the bride is for who? He says, for the bridegroom. He says, and you know who I am? He goes, I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. He goes, and you know what? I rejoice, he says, at the bridegroom and the bride coming together. <laughs> That's what he tells these guys, and he says this amazing statement that we're all so familiar with. He says, "Listen to me." He goes, "I must decrease; he must increase." John the Baptist knew the position he played. <laughs> In fact, he even tells them that story too. So he says, "Guys, I told you already. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. He must increase; I must decrease." John the Baptist was great because of the position he played. You see, the hardest instrument to play in the band is the second fiddle. It's the hardest instrument to play. We hate taking the back seat to other people. But John the Baptist knew and played that well. But not only just John the Baptist, right? When you look at the servant Paul, another great man, right? Paul himself, he knew the position he played. Right, One of his early letters in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he says something interesting. He goes, listen, I am less, um, I am the least, he says, of, of all the apostles. Man, Paul wrote more books than any of the apostles, right? I mean, what God you d- did through Paul, I mean, in our eyes, we would say, no, he was the greatest apostle. Paul, right? But Paul says, no, no, no. He goes, I am the least of all the apostles. Okay, Paul, whatever. Alright. A couple of years later he writes another letter in Ephesians chapter three, verse eight. He says something interesting. He goes, I am less than the least of all the saints. Paul, what are you talking about? Okay. First of all, we know that you are not less than any of the saints, right? But you're saying the least of the saints, you're even less than them? That's what he said. You can just kind of see this, this growing downward for Paul, right? This progression of humility in his life. He knew the position he played. But then just one year later, the great Apostle Paul, he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says, listen, here is a trustworthy statement, deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I'm the worst. I am the sinner. You want to be a great man, want to be a great woman in the kingdom of God. Know the power that you possess, but also know the position that you play. We are to clothe ourselves with humility. In fact, in Mark chapter 10, you remember the story of John and James asking, or their mother asking if they could uh, sit on the right and on the left side of Jesus. And this discussion comes up amongst the disciples. Uh, It wasn't the first time. They're deciding about who's the greatest. <laughs> and, uh, and Jesus tells them, hey, listen, if you want to be great, right, learn to be a servant of all, right? If you want to become great, you first have to learn to become a servant. And it's interesting, even in our, our, our main text here today, when Jesus Christ says, hey, listen, among men born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist, but what he says, that's so interesting, right? And then he says, But he who is least in the kingdom is even greater than John the Baptist. You see, God looks at the lowly, right? God says, Listen, um, if you seek to exalt yourself, <laughs> I'm going to put you down. He goes, But those who humble themselves in the sight of the Lord, I'll lift them up. Those are the people who are great to me, the people who humble themselves. John the Baptist was great because he knew the position that he played. But also he was great because of the person he pleased. In this context that we're reading here, Jesus tells us how pleased he is with John. He says, hey, listen, among men born of women, there is no one greater than John the Baptist. That means that John the Baptist lived a life that was pleasing to Jesus. Jesus was pleased with how John lived his life. And I'm telling you, that's all John wanted to do. Right? John's aim was to just live a life that pleased Jesus Christ. He knew there was nothing greater than that, than to just please the Lord Jesus. In fact, Paul mentions that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. He says this, Therefore, also we have as our ambition, right? This is our goal in life. This is our our objective, right? This is our ambition. And then he says, whether at home or away from home, right? So this is our ambition, no matter where it is, he says, to be pleasing to Him. That's your life's calling. If nothing else, you want to be a great man and a great woman, then make your life's ambition, whether you're at work or whether you're at the store, whether you're at home, whether you, wherever you are, that you, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you think, that it's pleasing to Jesus Christ. That's why Paul is great. Not only because of the power he possessed, not because of the position he played, but also because of the person that he pleased. That's what made him great. How about you, but me, I want to be a great man for God. Right? I want to be great in the sight of the Lord. And so, if I want to be a great man or a great woman, right? I think there are four things here that are true about John the Baptist. Four things that we can apply to our own lives. Number one is this. Great men and women will be different. They'll be different. If you look at John the Baptist's life, there's probably no one more different than John the Baptist. Okay? He was born differently. Right? John the Baptist, he lived differently. Have you ever thought about this? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Do you remember who John the Baptist's dad was? Zacharias. What was his, uh, profession? What was his, uh, he's a priest. That means John the Baptist is a what? Priest. Is he performing his priestly duties right now? Nope. He's out in the desert. I mean, that, that struck me when I was thinking about that. I'm like, he's not even doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's a son of a priest. And he's not acting like a priest. John the Baptist lived his life completely different than what he was supposed to be doing. Not only was he born different, lived different, John the Baptist died differently, didn't he? He died differently than most people. He was beheaded after being imprisoned. Did John the Baptist dress differently? Yes, he did. Very different. He ate differently. Right? He acted differently. I mean, brothers and sisters, listen. They thought he had a demon. That's how different John the Baptist was. They accused him of being demon-possessed. Because this guy was so strange. They thought he was crazy. You recall he was a Nazarite. Strange people. John the Baptist was different in every way you could imagine and the way he talked, and the way he lived his life. You want to be a great man and a great woman. hey? Okay? You've got to be different. We are called to be different. We are set apart. We're not supposed to be like everybody else. We live in a world that is anti-Christ and anti-Bible. Do you realize that? Hey, okay? Maybe you couldn't say that hundreds of years ago or whatever, but today it is completely anti-Christ. It is completely anti-Bible. And it's becoming more and more each day. We believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Amen? Hey? That God created gender to have a specific form and function. That right is right and wrong is wrong. Listen to me. There is going to be greater and greater contrast between People who believe the Bible is truth and the rest of the world. If you are not finding that in your own life today, something's wrong. Because the world is becoming so anti-Bible and so anti-Christ that you should find your life completely become in contrast with your friends, with your life, it shouldn't work out anymore. You shouldn't be comfortable Because that's where we're getting to. Listen, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. They reject the Bible because it contradicts them. That's why they contradict the Bible. Don't get them caught up in this whole thing, well, the Bible contradicts itself. No, all they care about is the Bible contradicts them and the way they're living, and they don't like that. We live by what the Bible says. We believe the Bible to be true. And guess what, brother? It's going to completely contrast the world you live in today. Completely. And I'm not just saying be different in that you go to church on Sundays. That's not being different. There's a bunch of people who go to church on Sundays who are not even saved. Think about how you live your life. From hey, the moment you leave here today, tomorrow morning when you get up, okay, the rest of this week, your life should be stark contrast with the way the rest of this world lives their lives. Completely different. If you want to be a great man and a great woman for God. If not, then continue to live a complacent, normal, comfortable life that's no different than everyone else in the world. But if you want to be a great man and a great woman, you need to realize that there's going to be a contrast. If you want to live out the Bible, you are going to stand out. You're going to be different than your neighbors. You're going to be different than your colleagues. You're going to be different than the people you come across each and every day. It's going to be different. The way you raise your family is going to be different. The way you treat your spouse is going to be different. The way you work and how you work, it should be different than everyone else. John the Baptist was as different as you could come. But not only that, great men and women will be daring. <laughs> John the Baptist, there was one time he's out there baptizing and a bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees came out to see what was going on. You remember what he called them? Whew. He said, you guys are a brood of vipers. John, what are you doing, man? That's, that's pretty daring, man. <laughs> hey. But if that wasn't bad enough, right? You remember Herod at the time. Herod thought it was okay to marry his brother's wife. Crazy. Poor Philip, right? His wife was Herodias. And uh, I don't know exactly, you know, what people thought during that time. Those the people that were Christians or whatever, but only one person spoke up. That was John the Baptist. He went to Herod and said, hey, what you're doing is wrong. It cost him his life. He was thrown in prison and later on, as we know, he was beheaded. Listen, guys, John the Baptist was a daring. He was bold. He was brave. Not only that, but the message he's given. Have you ever thought about that? Right? He's telling people to come out to the desert and he's telling them, hey, listen, you're a bunch of sinners. Hey? He's calling them to repent, to change their ways. To get ready for the coming of the Messiah. That's a daring message. Imagine if we spoke like that today. Right? We're supposed to speak like that today. Right? We're supposed to tell people to repent because Jesus is coming. He's coming. We have the same message that John the Baptist had. But he had no qualms in proclaiming that message. He was daring. And he had no problems with telling people what was right and what was wrong. Knowing even that it could have been dangerous for, for his own life. Listen, brothers and sisters, political correctness is making cowards out of people. It's making us turn us into cowards. We gotta stop be worrying about you know political correctness and not don't want to offend this person over here. Okay, now, I'm not saying we have to be careful how we say it. I'm not saying that always we should be careful, right? Gentle, right? We want to live at peace with those outside. But what I'm saying is, don't. Um, water down. Don't compromise the truth. Okay? If you have an opportunity to speak for what is true, we have to do that. We have to be daring, okay? especially in this this time that we're living in right now. We have opportunity each and every day to speak up for things that, man, today the world has just gotten crazy. It's gotten crazy. The disciples. Right? They turned, the Bible says they turned the world upside down. These 12 guys. I'm going to tell you, they did not turn the world upside down because of their intelligence. Okay? They turned the world upside down because of their bravery. Right? They were amazed at these unlearned men. These, these were not intelligent guys. They were like James and I, fishermen. That was it. Just you know, unlearned men. Okay? But these men were brave. Right? They were daring. And they turned the world upside down. Twelve of them. You don't have to be smart to receive the truth. Just brave. Right? And none of us here were smart when we received the truth. We were just brave enough to accept it. right? To say, listen, I can't live like this anymore. I have to surrender. I have to give my life to Jesus. When we understood the truth. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Right, and it says to be brave. Uh, most of your translations will say be brave. I like, and uh, the original actually it means to act like men. Act like men. Be brave. You want to be great. Okay? Um, be different. Be daring. Be daring. But the third thing you'll see from John the Baptist's life is that great men and women may face difficulty. As we already mentioned, uh, John is in prison. Eventually, he's going to be um, beheaded. That's tough. That is tough to have to stay in a prison. Um, Ultimately, when it was like for John to to walk from that prison to the place where they would take his life, um, that must have been hard for him. But we know, right, that in the Bible, many of God's great men have gone through adversity. Right? Joseph. Um, and Joseph was a great man of God, but man, what the difficulty. Right? If it wasn't bad enough that your brothers throw you in a pit, okay, great. Okay, now, now your brothers sold you into slavery, okay, fine. Now, now you're accused, falsely accused and thrown into prison, okay. Now you're forgotten about in prison. I mean, it just goes on and on. His life was a life of of difficulty, his whole life. You know, we like to talk about at the end there, he's second in command and he saves the family. That's great. That took a long time coming. Long time coming. A life of difficulty. Right? Daniel, do we ever think about Daniel? We always read about Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, and Daniel's a man of prayer. Do you know where he is? He's in Babylon. They've castrated him. That's a difficult life. Do we think about that? Each and every day he's got to rise and and, and pray to his God, surrounded by paganism. Surrounded by a a nation that's not even his. Difficulty. Each and every day he had to face. But he was a great man of God. Moses, David, Paul. All men who faced difficult Times. Listen, uh, you will face troubles when you stand up for what is right. You will. Maybe not every time, but you are going to face troubles when you stand up for what is right. You know how much uh, Andrew Brunson's story touched my heart. Uh, The times I asked you to pray for him uh, when we were here and those two years that he was in prison, um, All because he preached Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's the only reason he served time there. Such a difficult two years. I don't know if anybody's uh, seen recently some of the interviews they've had uh, with him on Fox News and things like that. Just an interesting individual. Um, Such a difficult decision, his wife having to make a decision whether to stay with the children in the States or stay with him in Turkey and visit him once a week in prison. What a difficult time for that family. I don't know about you, but for me, uh, I could not watch it without tears in my eyes. Went to see Andrew Brunson in the White House telling the president of our nation, Hey, Mr. Trump, I'd like to pray for you right now. (laughs) And there, right on live TV in front of I don't know how many millions of viewers, Andrew Brunson got down on his knees. He put his hand on Mr. Trump, and he prayed for him. He prayed for him. It's amazing. I've never seen that in my lifetime. We may never see that again, you know. But here's a guy, Andrew Brunson, who knows what it is to face difficulty. Right? Andrew Brunson was different. He was daring. He faced difficulty. Um, but the last thing I want to uh, to share with you here is certainly great men and, and women um, must be different. We need to be daring. We may face difficulty. But great men and women can have doubts. They can have doubts. Why do I say that? As we know, John is in prison, and, uh, and, and he's having a struggle right now. He's having a struggle with doubts. Um, remember, he's the one that sends some of his followers to Jesus saying, hey, listen, are you the one that we're looking for? Right? Are you the Christ? Christ? Or should we look for another? Now that may not come across to you as no big deal to you, but again, let me remind you of what's already happened. Right? When Jesus comes on the scene, right, and John baptizes Him, what happens? He hears a voice from heaven. This is My beloved Son, in whom I will please. John Baptist heard that. He saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove. John saw that. He's the one that said, as he was coming, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Same guy. John, what's happening? What's going on, man? To me, this blows my mind. Why is John even asking the question? You know, go check. Is Is he really the one we're looking for? Man, why would he have doubts I thought about that like why would John the Baptist have doubts I don't know if this is the reason but John was familiar with the prophets right Isaiah said that the Messiah would come he would preach the gospel to the poor he would heal the brokenhearted. he would give sight to the blind right you remember all that right but here's what he also says. That the Messiah would proclaim liberty to the captives, and he would open the prison to those who are bound. Now, if you're John the Baptist, what are you thinking? Hey, this is the one, this is the Christ, the Lamb of God who takes with the sin of the world. He gets arrested, he's in prison, he's sitting there and he's like, Man. Jesus, I'm still bound here. <laughs> I'm still in prison. Um, um, you're not setting at liberty me who is captive here. Perhaps. Perhaps he's sitting there thinking he knows what the prophet says and he's thinking, man, what? Why am I still in prison? If this is the one who we were looking for, why am I still in prison? Now here's what Jesus says, right? He tells John's followers, he says, listen, Go tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached. And I, I just imagine, like, these two guys, maybe they were even hesitant to ask Jesus, say, um, John wants to know if, if you're the one, you know, that we're looking for. And Jesus says, hey, tell him this. And they go, okay. And he goes, wait, wait, wait. And, right, blessed are those who don't stumble. And let me do things my way. So John the Baptist had to hear that. Hey, hey John, listen, you believe that I was the one. And what now, that just because you're in prison and you're not set free yet, you're not sure if I'm the one? I'm still the one. But you're going to have to trust that I'm doing what's best right now. Blessed are those who don't stumble and let me do things my way. Now, here's what's great about the Lord Jesus, right? When they left, Jesus now addresses the multitudes, right? Now, what does Jesus not say? He says, say, man, can you believe that guy? I mean, I asked that guy to baptize me, and here he is asking me if I'm really the one or not. Man, I should have never had him baptize me. Man, I tell you, the nerve of this guy it doesn't say any of that, does He? Right, what does Jesus say? He says, among men, born of women. You see that guy, that those guys are going back to? There's no one greater. The Bible says in uh, Psalm 103 that He knows our frame, doesn't He? You see, Jesus' response to the multitude, even after John has a little doubt, even John after John asks the question, That comforts my heart. That comforts my heart. Because it tells me, you know what? It's okay to have doubts. Now, we all, at times, right, we have a lapse of faith. Right? Sometimes we may question God. Sometimes we lose heart. Right? Sometimes we wonder why. Right? First, I want you to be encouraged. Right? That those times where you had that lapse of faith, those times where you're losing heart, right, and you're fainting, um, know that the greatest man ever born of a woman also had doubts. John the Baptist had doubts. He had a little lapse of faith while he was there in prison. Right? But this is very important. okay? John did not allow his doubts to harden into disbelief. It's okay to have doubts. Many, many great men and women have had doubts. Right? Abraham, David. Right? We read over and over of men who had doubts. Right? But what's important is this, what John did with those. And what each and every one of us here needs to do. Right? When we have doubts... Right? Do not let those doubts harden into disbelief. Right? But bring them to Jesus. That's what John did. John said, hey listen, go go ask him if he's the one we're looking for. Right? When we have those doubts, don't let those doubts, don't let those questions, right? Don't let them harden into a disbelief. Right? Bring them to Jesus. Bring them to Jesus. I love the story there of the The father, right, in Mark chapter 9, um, and his son, and uh, he's asking that his son, his son um, was possessed, and and, uh, when he came to Jesus and said, listen, would you cast this demon out of my son? And and Jesus said, okay. Um, Jesus pretty much said, listen, if, if you believe, I'll do that. And the father says something very interesting. He goes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, it says, we all believe. There's no no question in that. But man, do we need help sometimes with our unbelief, right? There are times when we doubt. There are times when we struggle, right? And this man says, God, I believe that you can save my son, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Listen, John the Baptist was a great man. He was great because of the power he possessed. Because of the position he played and because of the person he pleased. And if you want to be a great man and a great woman in the sight of God, we need to be different. We need to be daring. Know that we may have difficulties. And we can have doubts. We can have doubts. But don't allow your doubts, your struggles, your hurts, harden into disbelief. Do what a great man once did and bring them to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we leave this morning, we believe. We believe. Help us with our unbelief. Lord, pray for anyone here that may be struggling, may be hurting, may have doubts, that You would strengthen their faith. We're so grateful that even when we are unfaithful, You remain faithful. We thank You for the great man that You are. Thank You for the great Savior that You are. We're grateful for the great God that You are. We ask these things in Your great name. Amen.